What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast venture. Happy preseason day. Hall of Fame game came and went. Today is Thursday, August 9th. And NFL Week 1 is happening. There's a bunch of games on the old TV. Pretty excited about that. Baker Mayfield, some Andrew Luck, Patrick Mahomes, Jimmy Garoppolo, a bunch of other stuff. I I know that the preseason is not the sexiest beast in the world. But, uh, you know what? You get to see, you get to see football happening, live football happening, and you get to find out maybe what's going on with certain storylines. I am Will Brinson. I am your host. I will be hosting this podcast every day between now and eternity, or at least until the end of the 2018 season and through the Super Bowl. Pretty excited about it. The daily thing. We did it all off season. For those of you that have are just showing up, we've been doing this the entire off season. And so it's a little relieving to be doing the podcast on a daily basis. Uh, once, once football actually starts, cause we, st- we basically started the week before the draft. So I guess not all offseason, but you get the point. Um, we did the hard stuff, guys. We made it through the hard parts. We made it interesting. We kept it alive. We didn't die, et cetera, et cetera. Still got a couple of weeks to go. A lot of, a lot of damage can be done, but preseason football means that we can start to ramp this up. You start to talk storylines. More stuff is going to be happening. And, uh, and that's exciting news. Some housekeeping. First of all, we are going to do a podcast pick'em league. It's the Pick 6 Podcast Pick'em League, which if I need a better microphone, if I'm going to say that this too, every day. Um, and you can go to pick6pod.football.cbssports.com and join, or check out my Twitter page. It's at Will Brinson, twitter.com backslash Will Brinson, W-I-L-L-B-R-I-N-S-O-N. Uh, I've pinned the link to join to the top of my page. It should be free. If you, if you can't figure out how to get in, Tweet me or email me, and I'll send you a link somehow. Um, it, it is free. Excuse me. It is free, and there are prizes. We cleared it with legal, and we're going <laughs> to somehow get uh, – I think we're going to give away Pick 6 Podcast T-shirts every week. I, I'm sure. Why not? Who knew we had Pick 6 Podcast T-shirts? I don't own one. Maybe there's CBS Sports T-shirts. I don't know. You get a free T-shirt if you win, if you end up with the most points for the week. And then um, I've been informed by the the guys at marketing and legal that whoever wins for the year will get a, a T-shirt. Congratulations. Presumably that will be your, at least your second T-shirt. You will also get one uh, a free fantasy football commissioner, which is like a it's like 160 bucks to set up a league on CBS. It's the best league on the planet. I highly suggest you use it. Um, it, it is the most customizable, the best in the business. And you should check that out, but you will get a free league for the, for the 2019 season and you'll get to come on this podcast and have a few minutes to explain how you beat the living crap out of me. If I win, it's just going to be a 30 minute show where I brag about, uh, winning. I, I won't win, but that's fine. I don't, I don't even win my own pick of league at home. So that's the deal in the pick of league. Pick six pod dot football dot CBS sports.com free to join prizes. Also, a pick six fantasy league. This is going to happen. If you tweet me at Will Brinson or email me, willbrinson at gmail.com, we will get you signed up. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out how many people we're going to do it. Maybe we'll do a giant like 30 person league or we'll narrow it down to 12 or, or 10. We'll, we'll figure something out. I mean, I got a bunch of people have emailed or tweeted saying they want in. If you want in, 
let me know. We'll get you signed up. It'll be on CBS. It's free to join, of course. Uh, and maybe we'll try and find surprises for that as well. Might have to do a slow draft over like a week or two or whatever it is just to accommodate everybody, but we'll get it done. Um, so if you, if you want in last chance, let me know by the end of the weekend. I'll probably try and send out an email or something of that nature by Monday. Coming up on today's program, NC State head football coach Dave Doran. If you've, uh, if you read CBSSports.com, you will see that I have a piece, uh, on Coach Doran's, um, and what he's built at state. You know, I live in Raleigh, so pretty obvious how this works out. Um, also we had D'Antonio Burnett on the podcast previously, uh, but Coach Doran was kind enough to give me some time in his office to talk about the program, but then he also, we talked about how the rookies who were drafted out of NC State are going to fit in with their respective teams. Uh, Bradley Chubb, Naheem Hines, Jalen Samuels, um, uh, B.J. Hill, Justin Jones. It's a cool conversation from that regard. And then some other stuff about some draft prospects, Ryan Finley, Kelvin Harmon, and, and sort of his recruiting philosophy about, about half the show, whatever it is. So we'll get to some news, and then we'll talk to uh, to Coach Doran. Really interesting conversation. Urge you to check that out. So the news. Let's start with the Raiders, who've got a lot of news going on. They want Donald Penn, left tackle Donald Penn, or we think left tackle Donald Penn. It's been a bunch of chatter if you read, you know, sort of read the tea leaves on what, uh, what the Raiders beat writers are saying. It sounds like Colton Miller, who they drafted out of UCLA with their first round pick. Remember they traded down with the Cardinals when the Cardinals came up to get Josh Rosen, traded down to 15 and they picked up Colton Miller. Sounds like Colton Miller might be the left tackle, but according to Michael Gelkin of the L- uh, Las Vegas Review Journal, the uh they want um they want they want uh Donald Penn to take a pay cut. Penn's set to make about eight and a half million dollars in 2018. He signed a uh, extension last off season. He uh, he held out a camp. Remember he wanted his extension, and so now uh John Gruden wants to wants to get. Penn to take a haircut. This is interesting because Penn signed the extension before Gruden got there, right? But Penn is a Gruden guy. He was in Tampa with Gruden. And so now Gruden's like, I know you're my guy, but you got to take a pay cut, bro, or else I'm going to cut you as straight up and I'll just move on to Colton Miller. This has one of the, this, this could end in an interesting fashion. And the buzz around the Raiders is that Donald Penn not thrilled that they drafted Colton Miller. So, uh, take with that what you will. But it wouldn't be surprising at all if this ended in an unamicable fashion. You see how this is playing out and how the Khalil Mack thing is playing out? It's not hard to be bearish on the Raiders. And I, as I mentioned earlier in the week, I think on Monday when I was doing my Vegas Voice podcast, um, I took the under. I took the under of the Raiders at eight games, and I would urge you to do the same. I don't. I've said this all off season. I don't know how the John Gruden experiment is going to end. It could end twelve and four, and it could end four and twelve. I think it starts out one and zero. I'm not going to panic if they beat the Rams on Monday night in Week One, um, and I'm not going to freak out if they're putting up a bunch of points in the preseason either. I just think that there are a lot of concerns here with this team. And it starts with two veterans, Donald Penn and Khalil Mack, one older, one younger, but, but two guys who are anchors on their respective sides of the line. And neither one is, is happy about the way things are unfolding and it's over financial issues. And I mean, maybe, maybe Gruden is like, just 
I don't want to deal with this and, and gets Khalil Mack signed or maybe he keeps playing this game of chicken. Either way, it doesn't seem like it's going to uh, go well. So in other news, speaking with the Raiders, Martavis Bryant, James Jones reported on, uh, on NFL network on Wednesday that, uh, that Martavis Bryant had been quote or ha- is quote, not able to grasp the playbook, end quote, exactly how the Raiders won. And as such, quote, they've only got him lined up in one spot to try and slow it down, end quote. The, the goal, and when he said this, Steve Smith was on the other line. Steve Smith's like, James Jones, did you just tell on uh, Martavis Bryant, tell on the Raiders? He's like, well, I think you did, Steve, but you get the point. I I think that it, it really speaks to, and John Gruden's already criticized him once. I mean, is this, is this public criticism of, of Martavis Bryant just going to kickstart him into doing whatever the Ra- doing to whatever the Raiders need him or want him to do? He's just not up to speed on the playbook, and he's got a couple weeks to do it. But I think their goal is to be able to move Jordy Nelson, Amari Cooper, and Martavis Bryant into all three spots on the field, or all four or five, whatever it is, spots on the field, depending on the offense that they're running, and then be able to let those guys run routes interchangeably from different positions. And that, that's great. That's fine. But you have all three guys picking up a new complex offense that John Gruden likes to run. Uh, Jordy Nelson is is new in town. Martavis Bryant just got traded. And Amari Cooper is coming off a rough season where he needs a rebound from. I have faith in John Gruden's offense. I'm not I'm not trying to dog Gruden, but there's some red flags here. The Raiders, you know, as Joe Fortenbaugh said on this podcast, it's possible the Raiders over is pumped up just because of the, the Vegas factor. And so, I mean... It, Look, the Broncos could be better, the Chargers should be good, and the Chiefs can be plenty good. I like the Chiefs to win the division, as you know, uh, at least in terms of the value. I like the Chiefs over, too. So, for me, it's almost a no-brainer to to take the Raiders under here. Now, look, am I going to get banged if, if the Raiders sweep the Chiefs? Yeah, you bet I'm going to get banged. Probably shouldn't say that, but you get the, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get hammered on that on both sides of that bet. So, it's, it's the opposite of a window. The slam door window, slam door. Um, but I, you got to trust your gut. I, my gut says that the Raiders, despite the confusing offseason, are probably not going to be great. The Jets, according to Manish Mehta, friend of the program, new of the New York Daily News, reports that the Jets are open to trading Teddy Bridgewater if the price is right. There are too many variables to definitively, to definitively know Bridgewater's immediate future, Meta writes, but the Jets are amenable to moving the former Vikings quarterback in the right circumstance, according to sources. Uh, Manisha also points out that there's not really a viable trade market for Teddy Bridgewater right now. It's an interesting situation in the league because the NFL is kind of saturated with quarterbacks, at least in terms of teams who have heavily invested in, you know, in quarterbacks in, in the recent years. Like, you can't, if you rip through the standings, you can't find anybody who is either like so. The Bills just drafted a first round quarterback. The Dolphins passed on a first round quarterback, uh, and or, or didn't have a chance to get one, I guess. But have Ryan Tannehill, who they invested in, you know, 2012, not that long ago. Pats, Tom Brady, Jets, Sam Darnold this year. Ravens just drafted Lamar Jackson. Bengals uh, floating in limbo with Marvin jo- Marvin Le- Marvin Johnson, Marvin Lewis. And Andy Dalton, Browns, Baker Mayfield, Steelers just picked up Mason Rudolph, have Big Ben, Texans, Deshaun Watson, Colts, Andrew Luck, 
Jaguars are doing their thing with Blake Bortles. Titans have Mariota. Uh, the Broncos signed Case Keenum. Chiefs have Mahomes. Chargers have Rivers. Raiders have Derek Carr. I mean, that's the AFC. There's not a single team in the AFC that is desperately needs a quarterback. Maybe you could say the Patriots would be a good landing spot for Teddy Bridgewater. I wouldn't disagree, but are the Jets really going to trade Teddy Bridgewater to, uh, to, to the Patriots and Bill Belichick and watch him haunt them for another decade or something like that? And, and by the way, if you want to go through the NFC, um, you can make a pretty, pretty easy case that everyone is invested in or doubled down on a quarterback in, in recent years. In fact, I'm, I'm trying to find the one team that hasn't done it. And I'm just not sure there, there's not one. There's not a single team in the NFL that doesn't, that, that has not invested heavily or that, ha, you know, sitting on a franchise quarterback that they like. I mean, even the Giants like Eli Manning, right? So everyone is invested in a quarterback. So it's going to be hard to trade Teddy Bridgewater right now, which means that somebody like the Chargers or the Saints that has their quarterback of the now but couldn't need a quarterback for the future could at least consider doing it or at least buying some insurance for a guy like Philip Rivers or, or Drew Brees. So that's at least something to consider. You know, we'll see, we'll see how that manifests itself. But Teddy Bridgewater on a one year deal, of course, has lit it up. And if he plays really well in the preseason, I would guess that the Jets wouldn't be opposed to getting something in return for him. Davante Freeman, Falcons running back, has ripped, uh, the, the, has concerns about helmet hits. I definitely think I'm going to get that call. Remember, this is the lowering your helmet as a running back, initiating contact. I definitely think I'm going to get that call a couple of times this year, Freeman said, uh, via Steve, uh, Hummer, I guess, of the Atlanta Journal Constitution. And, uh, and he went on to basically say that, you know, he expects really to, to have to deal with this for the entire season. I know it's going to be one of those things it's hard to do something about. You know Devonta Freeman. You know how Devonta Freeman runs. You know how Devonta Freeman practices. You know my mindset. That's you got to say. You know Devonta Freeman's mindset if you want to keep that going. But you sort of get the you know third person thing. You got to carry it out, Devonta. Uh, that's fine. You get the point. But he's not wrong. Devonta runs aggressively. He likes to you know he likes to put his head down and bat, blast through people. A lot of running backs do. Like you think Marshawn Lynch is going to come up, you know, stop short and and and. You know, slide or, 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 you know, nod his head at somebody and, and not, and not go full beast mode on him. Maybe running backs, that's going to be a tough one. I think it's, I mean, I know Brian McFadden on this podcast has said that it's geared toward defensive players and no doubt about it. Like this rule is geared to, to penalize defensive players, but certainly offensive players could stand to get, uh, penalized when this rule is actually enforced. Dalvin Cook can see something special in the Vikings. Can't we all, Dalvin? Can't we all? I, I don't know. That's a preseason thing. I, I've been thinking more about this Dalvin Cook argument I got in with Adam Azer, and I'm on, I think I'm about to be on the clock in this, uh, podcast. It's a editorial league or CBS, it's some kind of office league. And, um, I, I think I'm like, I think I'm 12 and it's a 14 team league. I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Dalvin. I think I'm gonna take Dalvin if he's still there. Chance he's off the board. Um, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, or Dalvin Cook. I mean, if, between those three, I mean, I can buy into the idea that Dalvin Cook's gonna have a special season. Uh, just gotta get me sold on that offensive line, but that, man, he could be great in that offense. And so, I'm, I'm trying to, trying to backtrack on, uh, on Dalvin Cook a little bit is what I'm trying to do. Frank Gore can see why the Dolphins traded Jay Ajayi. It's not a slap in the face to Jay Ajayi. He's saying that Kenyon Drake looks special. I'm not going to backtrack on Kenyon Drake. I'm not in on Kenyon Drake in terms of fantasy. No, thanks. 
probably shouldn't be telling you guys to join a fantasy league and then telling you who I like in fantasy, but I guess that's sort of the nature of the biz. Um, and then finally, if you haven't seen this, check it out. It's um, Steve Smith, who I mentioned earlier in, in a different capacity. He, and he, he opened up in a big way about depression and his, his mental health and issues he's been dealing with uh, throughout the course of his career. And it's at NFL.com backslash Steve Smith. You can also watch, uh, he and Rhett Lewis do a piece from training camp that's really good. I mean, it's, he's, he's no surprise if you ever watch or listen to Steve Smith, but I mean, he's open about everything and he's obviously open about this, but he just comes out and he tells it like it is. In this piece, he writes, uh, it wasn't until I stepped away from the game at the end of the 2016 NFL season that I really began to take ownership and understand my personal journey with depression. Um, one common question I contemplated, I'm sort of skimming through this, and I put out a couple parts. One common question I contemplated through the highs and the lows was simple, but it felt so complex. What's wrong with me? Despite all my achievements, I routinely felt trapped, inferior, and alone. This overwhelmed me internally and often left me mentally, physically, and emotionally broken. Thinking back to when I experienced these emotions, most significantly, several specific moments come to mind. He goes on to list them. Uh, but then says, general... Generally, throughout much of my life, unhappiness, constant self-criticism, and an inability to let old blunders go weighed so heavily on my mind. I, rec- I can recall hundreds of these moments on and off the gridiron when I felt inept. It really took a toll on my mental state. In 2013, my final year in Carolina, I hit a point where I was so overwhelmed that I wasn't sure what to do or how to handle my emotions. Small things in my daily life impacted me in a big way, and I was a cynic of everything and everyone. It was at that point I decided, with hesitancy, to try counseling for non-football-related matters for the first time in my life. So I went. Rather, I had my counselor meet me at my home because I feared someone would see me walking into a session in a public place. I really had a hard time realizing just how much I wasn't able to handle emotionally. My responses or lack of responses in those early sessions were an indication of what was going on inside. Look, this is awesome. I mean, everybody's vulnerable. Everybody has weaknesses. Everybody battles through stuff. You're going through stuff. I'm going through stuff. We've all got stuff. I thought Nick Foles said something really cool, um, you know, a while back after the Super Bowl, but he talked about how you see Instagram and you see Facebook and you are in the impression that everyone is living an amazing life all the time. Spoiler alert. That's not true. And I think that it's tough to do in 2018 to, to cope with the fact that not everything that you have going on is perfect. Not everything. I mean, like, I get to write about football, but every, I, mean, I got stuff, man. Everybody's got stuff. Um, that so I thought that's cool of Steve Smith to come out and say it. It makes you. It puts it in. A, it puts your struggles, my struggles, other people's struggles in a different light, and lets you figure out, you know, that it's okay to find different ways to solve those problems. Cool stuff from Steve Smith, who probably I would say top five favorite athlete of mine uh, ever. Who are your top five favorite athletes? My, my Steve Smith is sticking in that list now that he did this. Um, I think it's like John Smoltz, Phil Mickelson. Steve Smith might be my big three. Hmm. Feel free to tweet me your big three. Leave them in the reviews, comments. Oh, rate and review this podcast, please. We got to get ratings and review for my, for my, that's a, I got, I'm trying to help my self esteem here. Uh, rate and review. Subscribe if you like the podcast. And uh, let's go talk to Dave Doran, head coach of NC State, uh, the football program there, coming off a big nine-win season, top 20 recruiting class. He's got it rolling in Raleigh. You can follow him on Twitter at State Coach D. 
Let's go talk to Dave Doran about his upcoming uh, the the guy the guys who just left the class and how they're going to deal these rookies how they're going to deal with the NFL. Can you talk about the fit of these guys with their particular teams or particular NFL teams? Yeah. So like, how do you? Fit? I mean, like Brad, Bradley Chubb's easy because Bradley Chubb is the top five pick. Mm-hmm. But to me, it makes a lot of sense. A, it's good because Bradley Chubb's great. He's lined up across from Von Miller. Right. But B, the Bron- if you look at the Broncos' issues last year, really in the run defense, he fits in well in terms of being able to move around with Von Miller. Right? Yeah. He can play 3-4 or 4-3. Yeah, he's very versatile, <clears throat> and he takes pride in stopping the run, which yeah. some guys don't at that level. I think they're more pass rush oriented in the league and probably get paid more to do that too, you know. But I think Bradley's a guy that takes a lot of pride in first down and second down. Um, same thing, B.J. Hill I think is interesting. He's getting first-team snaps of the Giants right now. And one thing I noticed you know, with him throughout his career and – that was pro day. It looked like he'd slimmed down for the pro day. Yeah. His first step is lightning quick. He's going to be lined up next to a guy like Damon Harrison, who's a big run stopper. In that attacking style defense that James Betcher's going to run, can you see him being an interior pass rusher? Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of BJ Hills. I mean, he's every scout that came in here, I said he's the guy you want on your team because he's the same guy every day. I mean, he's, he's <clears throat> super intelligent with football. He understands blocking schemes. He understands the leverage. He's really, really strong, uh, durable, tough. And he's just every day the same. Like He never has an up day or a down day. He's mm. always the same guy. And to me, if I was paying millions of dollars, I wouldn't want that. I would want the same, I know what I'm going to get, productive person. you know. And so whatever they have him doing, he's going to be excellent at it. Uh, Naheem Hines, you mentioned him in Colts mm-hmm. camp. They got Marlon Mack, who's also at UCF, is also kind of a pass catching back, and Jordan Wilkins, who's a, more of a, I guess, more of a thumper. But Hines is that Eagles, I mean, in that Doug Peterson, Frank Wright style of offense, where you're moving guys around, putting guys in the slot, matchups. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's ideal for that, right? Yeah, I think if you're creative, Naheem and Jalen Samuels are guys you want on your football team because they can play all over the place and they're going to excel. You know, out of the backfield, in the backfield, in the slot, in motion. You know, they can turn people around in coverage, and they have really high football IQs. Both those guys do. I think they're both going to places that can know how to use an athlete in the backfield. The thing that surprised me, too, about Naheem, if you look at his catches, I think he had 46 in 2016 and then 23 last year. But he ran – I mean, his vision between the tackles is unbelievable for a guy his yeah. size. I think he's a better running back than he is a receiver, but he's a really good receiver. Sure, yeah. And, and fast. Kind of why fast. do I say that? Because he's good with the ball in his hands, you know, and you can get him the ball more as a tailback than yeah. you can a wideout. So I just felt like his ability to impact that football game is multiplied, you know, when he's the tailback. And, and same thing when you – I mean, you're lucky enough you had Samuels and Hines yeah. in the backfield at the same time. Samuels' ability to catch the ball – and the thing that always struck me about him is he's got a nose for the end zone. Like he's, he just, not, he's not he's incredible, say, man. I yeah. mean, he had 60 touchdowns his high school senior year. <laughs> yeah. He know? broke Torrey Holt's record for most catches, right? Yeah, I mean, he's incredible. Everyone's like, where do you put him? I'm like, that's not the right question. It's right. Where don't you put him? Like, that's the question, you know, because he can do so many things. Why do people get caught up in that in football in 2018? I think because of measurables. You know, I think there's just so many people that, oh, you got to be this height or, you know, this speed or they're comparing you to other guys they've coached that have had success and he doesn't fit that. 
Right. You can't check the box they want to check with him all the time. But as soon as you put him on football field, you don't care anymore. I mean, it, it was, I think it's a good example of it. But, like, when they were doing the preseason ACC stuff, like, well, we don't know where to put him. Let's make him a tight end. It's like, what do you just make him an OW? He's an offensive weapon. You move him around. Yeah. You line him up and put him, in, let him work in the red zone. I was glad they created that, you know, kind of a H-back category yeah. for, for hybrid players because he wasn't the only one. I mean, Virginia Tech had one that was really good. I think the guy at Wake Forest, uh, Cam Serena, yeah. was really good. I mean, there's multiple guys in our league that are not true tight ends that were kind of in that category where it didn't fit. Um, Justin Jackson probably going to start week one if, if he stays healthy because Corey legit suspended in San Diego. It's Gus Bradley's defense. He can step in and make an impact out of the gates. Right? Justin Jones? Justin Jones, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, Justin's a uh, very explosive, quick-twitch guy, super strong. I don't know. I haven't studied them on defense. I don't know what they do. Seahawks-style type of. Yeah, I mean, if he's playing a three technique, he's, yep. he's a tough dude in there at that position, and he'll be disruptive for sure. Uh, Will Richardson, Jaguars offensive line. Probably I saw play. their O-line coach last week. He said he's doing really well. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he was really excited about how he's been practicing, preparing, everything. So, you know, he loves football. And as long as he can stay healthy, I mean, that's a big thing for him, just staying healthy. Who am I missing? Who am I missing that I tune in from the draft class? Ryan Samuels. Contagious. Contagious, yeah, but he, he's probably going to redshirt out of the same machine, right? For them, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what his prognosis is coming out of the surgery. I was saying their season's so long. I mean, who knows? True. Sure. I mean, yeah. That would be my guess. Yeah, I would assume he redshirts. Uh, but yeah, I mean, killer draft class. And um, how much, did, I mean, when you have those guys that, that you can point to, how much does that help in recruiting? Yeah, I mean, it's incredible for recruiting. And that's what these guys, they all say they want a college degree, and they do, and then they say they want to play in the NFL. Yeah. And so when we're second in the nation for draft picks in Alabama, tied with Ohio State, I don't, you know, why would you leave North Carolina to go out of state where you can get it right here? And that's been the thing, and that's why you're seeing so many good in-state players want to stay here now. Who's the guy on the team right now that people, not that you can project to the NFL for next year. But, like, Kelvin Harmon, to me, looks like an NFL body. He is. He built, like, all the guys they have move out. And there are several guys in the senior class, you know. I mean, you get down to Garrett Bradbury as the center. I think he's a really good player. Uh, Ryan Fenley, quarterback. Of course. He's a really good player. You know, I think Tyler Jones, Antron Prescott, or other two senior linemen will have opportunities. Steph Lewis, Calvin Harmon. I don't know if Jacoby will be ready in this year, but he will be eventually. Um, if Reggie can stay healthy at tailback, I mean, he's a thumper. He gained, how much? He, he put on some weight, right? He's probably too big. I mean, he needs to be around 225. He's like about two? 230 right now. Okay. On defense, Pratt and Roseboro are the top two guys. Um, I mean, they'll be, if they play well, they'll, they'll be draftable guys. So I had heard some people say that Roseboro, and I'm not, you can comment on this as you wish, but that Roseboro might be the best pure pass rusher out of the whole class, including. No. No. Okay. I mean, Chubb's the guy. Chubb's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Darian's a power rusher. Okay. And he's really powerful. I mean, Bradley had so many different things he could do. And the technique, too. Yeah. I mean, Darian's super powerful, but he, he's not as twitchy as. Bradley or Contavious, but he's, yeah, true. 
really strong. Can he? Is he? Can he? Is he like those guys? Can he kick inside when he needs to? Yeah, I think he's really good inside. Okay. I think he would be tremendous in there on third down. Okay, that's huge too for the next. Yeah, and I hope we can do that some this year. You know, you mentioned Finley, and I'm curious. I know that um, I think the phrase that uh, Coach Drinkowitz has used for the offense is a uh, pro tempo. Yeah, is that right? Mm-hmm. That how much of a difference does that make in terms of having him prep not just for the next level, but for adjusting to stuff in game when you see different defenses and you want to run different types of offenses and you know in progress. Well, the thing that you like about Ryan is he he is an extension of Drake. He he can finish his sentences for him. So it's nothing for him in the middle of a, a drive to say, hey, when we were watching film, here's what he would have told me to do and then for mm-hmm. him to do it. Like he doesn't need to go have that conversation on the sideline. He already knows the answer. So that's what makes him different. You know, I mean he's just he's in four hundred level classes. Really? On football, yeah. Yeah. And is he I don't want to discount his arm. It doesn't feel like he's, but I don't think, I don't think the arm strength necessarily matters when you're making the leap because if you can make, in yeah. 2018, you can, if you can make nine out of ten throws or seven out of ten throws, you're in an offense most of the time that you can operate without having to worry about making. Yeah, know, it'll just be a matter of what, you know, NFL wise, what they want. Like they want a game manager that's super accurate, that makes great decisions, uh, has incredible timing and, the mental capability to know what's going on all the time, then he's going to be someone they want. If they just care about the velocity of the ball, maybe not. But he's going to be more accurate. He's going to have great timing. He's going to anticipate as good as anybody. And he doesn't have a poor arm, but he's no, not going to go to the QB challenge and throw the fastest ball out there. But he's got zip on it. And, I mean, the thing he does is he puts the ball in such catchable places for guys. That's what I like about him. Yeah, he throws that outside the out route. So catchable. Yeah. And it's not like super hot. Because right. if that's an extended arm catch, it's not easy on a hot ball, you know. I mean, he throws a catchable football. You think there's a little bit of, um, I don't know if money ball is the right word, but maybe a market inefficiency in the transfer quarterback? Because you, Jacoby transferred, Ryan transferred. Yeah, uh, we got it down. I, I've actually used that in recruiting with some guys because I know how to handle those guys, and, and it's different. I mean, you're trying to get them to know their team and become a part of it when they weren't in anyone's recruiting class. You right. Know? Yeah, it's different. So it's it's unique, and we've had success. Uh, hopefully you don't have to keep doing it. You know, I mean, <laughs> we've recruited some good high school quarterbacks. But maybe at other than Joe Selfo was the grad transfer center. They had a great season for us two years ago. So and we're three for three um, with grad transfer since I've been here. Is there anything you look for in a – in a kid that is maybe outside the norm when you're recruiting, like you know, you talk about the velocity and the, the measurables and all, you know, anti combine stuff. Is there anything you look for when you're talking to young recruits? Not grad transfers. You're just talking about recruits. yeah, just just recruit or, or, or either or. Yeah, I mean, I, I tell our staff, you know what our culture is here, make sure they fit it. Now, I want guys that aren't entitled. I want guys that are tough, guys that are going to handle adversity, not just want to transfer the first time they're not playing enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys that care about the team, guys that have leadership, guys that are on winning football teams, uh, guys that are captains. And we look for all those kind of things, you know, because we're limited in how well we can get to know them in person, but you can look up all the things that 
this guy's a, a guy that's never been a captain. He's on a losing football team. He's transferred twice. Like that, those are red flags. You right. know, like I don't want that guy here. You know, how much of this stuff? Not this stuff. Like the one pack, one goal um, for sure. And I think that that that's a public. Yeah, that's up in the public. It, I would encourage anybody to check it out. But the how much of that did you get? from places like Wisconsin and, and Northern Illinois from people you work for? How much of it comes from, yeah. you know, guys like Bill Belichick or even from, like, Army Manual? I mean, I, like, I'm curious where it comes from. Uh, it, it's accumulation of people I've worked for, who I am. And that was really luck, to be honest with you. One pack, one goal, having a wolf pack. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Coach Bielema was great. Coach Alvarez was great. My experience at Northern Illinois, taking over a team there that had incredible chemistry. Being at Montana with Joe Glenn and two national championship uh, games with a great head coach. And building a program from nothing at Kansas with Coach Mangino. I mean, all those are experiences that made me into who I am. And then and thinking over a long period of time, what I want my culture to be, you know. So it's just, I mean, we've built it since we got here. It's evolved. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's evolved. Our core values, what we believe in programmatically, it's all, cause you know, coming from the Midwest to the South, it's different. You know, so you have to get to know the ways here and you gotta adjust and evolve with it. And, and we wanted it to be part of what our players believe in too.